The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from my home base in Dallas, Texas. As you know, if you've been tuning in for a while, I am positively obsessed with the world of work and how people meaningfully connect to it. My mission is to bring you people of all ages and backgrounds across all kinds of professions so we can learn from and be inspired by their stories. So I'm always on the lookout for new guests who have had an interesting story to tell and something educational to share. So this week, our conversation is with someone who has made it his career to train, develop, and help people bring out the best in themselves. What a perfect contribution to my show. My guest is Nagapan Andiapan, who is a training and development professional joining us today from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, which is 13 hours ahead of me. And to welcome you, Nagapan, in your traditional language of Tamil from your early home in Indian Chennai, before you moved to Malaysia, let me say, Vanakam, Radio Nigalchiko Nal Varavu. Did I say that at all right? Yeah, thank you, Elise. <laughs> uh, what thank I was saying so there, listeners. Thank you to your talk show, to the radio show. I really appreciate that. You are welcome. What I was saying there, listeners, was in Tamil, just simply welcome to the show. Had a lot of fun learning that from one of my yeah. friends here in Dallas. So welcome, Nagapan. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Well, to get us started, if you would, I always like to let my guests introduce themselves the way that they like to introduce themselves and just kind of situate for us your world. What do you do today mm-hmm. in the field of training and development, and what is your focus? What kinds of clients do you serve? Okay. Thank you, Alice. Uh, a little background about myself. Uh, I've been living in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia all my life. Uh, I'm like in my early 50s right now. I've spent more than 20 years of my life in the field of training and development right now. My major area of focus has always been on management development and also personal development. Uh, my clients are based in Malaysia, Singapore, India, Brunei, uh, mainly the Asia-Pacific region. Uh, just one more thing. Uh, around 60% of my clients are mainly from the manufacturing sector. Uh, another 40% they are from the service industry. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What an interesting niche you have carved for yourself. Yes. Yes. Yes, 
Well, let me talk about your background a little bit here, Nagapan. You have what I consider to be a, a fairly interesting background, given what you do today. I know that you studied information technology in the United States and worked in the field for a short time. But then somewhere mm-hmm. along the way, you, you found your way to the dark side, which, of course, is training development, which I work in, too, as well. So the soft skills. What happened along the yeah. way to get you to go from IT to training? <laughs> okay. Uh, it is like in the 1980s, uh, I was not very sure which area uh, of career that I wanted to pursue. And, you know, information technology or computer science was like the into Many of my friends are pursuing this. Since I did not have a very clear career path, uh, I thought I'd join the crowd. So I came to the United States, pursued a degree in IT, worked in an IT environment for several years. Uh, it wasn't too bad, but I still remember... Every time I had asked myself this question, is this what I wanted to do for the rest of my life? Is this the industry that I'm excited to be with? Um, not really was the most, uh, you know, frequent answer that I've actually heard from myself. So I knew I had to do some changes. I knew I had to move on to find something else. Uh, and I was not very sure at least. So then what happened was uh, I did get a few opportunities to move from the uh, typical IT environment to the IT training environment. And uh, I thought, hey, the the IT training environment was a little bit more fun. It was more uh, enjoyable to me as compared to the typical hardware and software development. Uh, So it wasn't too bad. So I started exploring and exploring and exploring started exploring a few more areas, and finally I ended up doing some soft skills training. And when I did the soft skills training, it was not technical. It was mainly a soft skills training. Uh, I, I felt very good, and I got a lot of compliments and praises from the audience, and uh, I started thinking, hey, maybe this is the area that, I may want to pursue in the future. Uh, that's how things got started many years ago, Alice. Mm-hmm. You know what I like about that story, mm-hmm. Nagapan, is that I can tell you that so many of the people that I, I have encountered in my life and in my research tell me that same thing. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I just kind of went out there and started okay. and found my way and, uh, you know, blindly feeling in the dark. And I appreciate that you tell us that here you are, someone who loves your career today, but it didn't start that way. Absolutely right. And then for the listeners who maybe don't know what soft skills are, will you say more about that? What do you mean by soft skills? Uh, Okay. Now, uh, in this scenario, what happens is that the kind of training programs that I started off in the beginning to provide were a broad spectrum of uh, soft skills training program. Uh, I had a big list. But as I moved on, I realized... I did not want to be a jack of all trades. Uh, I needed to narrow down this list. So I started focusing a little bit more on leadership, supervisory, and team building trainings. So I narrowed down the focus a little bit. Mm-hmm. 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 And do you have, I know, well, actually, I do know that you have some certifications that you've earned along the way. What are they again, and why did you pursue them? Uh, a few examples of certifications that I have obtained uh, in the past and also recently, one of it will be the Neuro-Linguistic Programs, NLP certification. Uh, I'm also certified like in Capno Trigo, uh, the SDI, the Strengths Deployment Inventory, the DDI, just to name you a few. Uh, there are a few reasons 
uh, I'm quite passionate about becoming certified in certain areas. Now, one of it will be to explore new tools, new framework, new methodology, uh, and so on. Another reason is to become more credible. Now, when you want to facilitate training sessions, when you want to uh, you know, help other people, we need to also show them that we are capable of delivering the training programs well. So this is where the certifications uh, add on to the trainer's credibility. So those are some of the reasons uh, I'm quite passionate about getting certified on programs from time to time. And will you say more for me, Nagapan? I have had many friends over the years who have been certified in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, but I really still don't quite understand it. Will you say more about that training and what it's taught you? Okay. Uh, NLP, I know the name sounds a little bit a little bombastic. Uh, maybe I can just give you a very simple definition here. Now, Neuro Linguistic Programming is behavioral psychology. It helps people understand how they process information, how they basically think, uh, how they communicate effectively with different uh, people with different backgrounds. You know, we have a lot of visual, auditory, and kinesthetic people out there. So how to engage with them, how to relate with them, how to build a relationship with them. So NLP is basically a tool that can help us understand ourselves and also understand others better. So as a trainer, uh, the NLP uh, helps us uh, deliver training programs to a wider audience, Alice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So am I right to say, then, that you have an ability to maybe read the crowd or better understand what it is they need in order to learn using NLP? Is that partly the way you use it? Yes, yes, definitely. Okay. NLP is actually a tool that can help you understand your target audience and uh, you say the right thing using the right verbal and nonverbal language. Uh, yes, absolutely right. Mm-hmm. You know what I also find satisfying, and, 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 and I appreciate about what you said there, is I, I wonder how many people out there who aren't in the training and development field, like we are, who really understand what it is we're doing behind the scenes to really try to convey that training, to try to actually make sure that people actually learn something, that there's really a science behind it. What do you think about that? Right now, I think as a trainer uh, in the training and development field, whether you're doing technical training programs or whether you're doing, uh, you know, soft skills, uh, the main ultimate goal that we have is to transfer learning, transfer knowledge, skills, abilities, confidence, motivate the learners to apply whatever that they learn. Uh, that's basically our intention. Uh, I would not say. All our efforts are fruitful uh, because the, the learners themselves, the audience themselves, need to take some responsibilities to learn, apply, benefit from some of the knowledge that they're willing to transfer to them. It's like a two-way kind of uh, effort. And so, Nagapan, one of the things that I certainly find interesting and, and you know, always um, mm-hmm. a, a challenge when I'm certainly standing in front of a crowd training is how do you then convey, how do you get your participants to really accept that responsibility, to lean in and accept the training for themselves? How do you do that? Okay. Uh, one of the things I usually do in the, at the beginning of the training programs that I'm facilitating is to share the expectations. Uh, you know, the expectations, 
from the audience, expectations from the management, expectations from the trainer. So I'd like to actually set some expectations and also remind them uh, if, they're, if they're passionate, if they're serious, if they would like to benefit uh, from the time and the money that has been invested in the training programs, they need to de- do their part. So I usually tell them, hey, these are the things I can do for you. These are some of the things that you need to take ownership. So by doing this, it helps uh, create a little commitment from them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And and I do think yeah. that makes a lot of sense. I, I When I was just down in Mexico last week delivering some training for a manufacturing yeah. company, um, the senior director over the whole entire plant came in and said, hey, listen, we take this seriously. This is really important. We want you to lean in. Please turn your cell phones off. Don't turn your computers on and really get the most out of this. And I think I know for me, seeing a leader do that mm-hmm. goes a long, long, long way. Um, have you had the same experience too? Uh, I, I certainly agree with uh, your opinion. I definitely do that. Uh, I, I believe that uh, besides the trainer, besides the trainees, uh, I think the organization uh, themselves need to play an important role in uh, you know, organizing the training programs in a very structured manner, having good systems for these people to register, participate, go back and you know, follow us. So I think they also play a very important role in making this happen. So I agree with what you said. Oh, boy. I, you just brought up a really great point that I do want to talk about just for a moment here, Nagapan. One of the things that I yeah. certainly have found is the, the to the extent that an organization maybe issues pre-work related to the to the uh, the content that we'll be delivering and expects people will yeah. actually do it and then has their manager get involved with them before they go to training saying, hey, you know, this is a course about whatever, adaptive leadership or yeah resolving workplace conflict, whatever it is, and I want to talk with you afterwards about what you got out of it, I think is so key mm-hmm. to the success of the training. Uh, have you seen organizations do that better than not, maybe in some examples? Are there any examples without mentioning company names that you could refer to? Okay, definitely. Like, uh, what I can do, I can share with you my experience uh, working with some of the organizations recently in the Asia-Pacific environment. Now, in the Asia-Pacific environment, in the past, let's say about 15 years ago, uh, we could hardly find any uh, management involvement, the immediate supervisor involvement, even the pre-post. Uh, it was not really the in thing. People said, hey, go for the training program, come back and do whatever you want to do. But lately, over the last five to eight years, in some of the organizations that are training in Asia Pacific, yes, they have moved from no pre-work, no involvement, to a great level of involvement from the management. So, yes, over the five to, last five to eight years, I've certainly seen uh, a lot of pre-work, a lot of uh, you know, pre-assignments for people to do, uh, exercises for people to do, the participation from the middle management, it has been happening. And I, I personally believe the overall effectiveness of the training programs has become even better because of the pre-work, the pre-class work, and also the involvement by immediate supervisors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm finding the same thing. I'm glad to hear you say that. It's actually very reassuring to hear you have the same experience. And it just seems like such an important, mm-hmm. seamless handoff that you've got to be able to have right and partner with the HR team. So, um, perfect. 
to, to bring us into our, our first break here, Nagapan. Um, for, for you listeners out there in, in the listening world, let me say that we've been on the air with Nagapan Andiapan, who is calling in from Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. He's 13 hours ahead of me. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the, on the air talking about how he got into the field. After the break, I want to hear more about how he's developed his style. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning in to the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise. A-L-I-S-E at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. We're here with Naga, Nagapan Andiapan, who is a trainer, consultant, author, and motivational speaker in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been talking about how he got into the field and what he likes about it, some of the, the ways that he gets his learners to be engaged. Now, if we can, I want to hear more about how you develop that style. Nagapan, you and I had the wonderful ability to meet in Hong Kong for some training that we were receiving together. That's how we met. It was a wonderful week for me. And I got to see you in action, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, because I really think that you have what I would describe as a mesmerizing style when you're in front of an audience. Can you talk a little bit about how it was that you developed your style? What went into that? Thank you so much for the kind words. Uh, very nice of you to say the mesmerizing style. Uh, <laughs> I, I can share with you a little bit on how I developed this style. Now, in the beginning, when I started off in this field, uh, I, I did not own any style. Uh, so what I did was I, I observed a lot of trainers, a lot of facilitators. I had a few mentors. And to start off with, I kind of emulated and modeled uh, different uh, styles of training delivery contents, presentation from different trainers. So took a few from here, took one or two styles from different mentors, kind of blended them and started using them. Uh, but later on, I realized it, it was 
not just me. It was a little bit difficult to emulate and model, uh, you know, training delivery style from other people and feel natural about it. So I decided... Uh, I, I appreciate all those styles that I've actually emulated from the mentors, but I just wanted to be myself, just wanted to have a natural style. So this is what I did for the training programs that I did after that, a couple of years after emulating different trainers and whatnot. I just wanted to go in naturally. Uh, I never thought about a style. All I did was prepared the contents, uh, I, I knew the structure, I had the training framework, and I just went there and I did not think much of the style. I just started delivering training programs, spoke the way I wanted, spoke uh, in the tempo that I wanted, uh, used, uh, you know, humor as I wanted. So uh, to, to summarize things, in the beginning, uh, I was actually like trying to copycat a few people's styles. Uh, it, it worked for a while, but then later I realized that it was not the natural me. It was a bit difficult to copy others and act like others. So I wanted to actually just go out and be myself. So I, I do not know whether this is this is called a style right now. Uh, to me, it's just being yourself. You don't have to uh, do something to entertain people just because you see people entertaining others. You just need to know what you want to do, all right? Yes, and you know what I love about that too, Nagapan, is that you are describing yes. what we call here, at least in the States, I don't know if you use this term in Malaysia, but we use this quite a bit in the United States, and that term is being authentic or authenticity. Um, and, and the power of being authentic in front of an audience is is, is palpable. Right. Yes. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, in the beginning, you know, sometimes when we are relatively new in any field, uh, we need to probably observe others. So when you observe others and you have some mentors, I think it is quite natural for, for us to, without realizing it, maybe on a subconscious manner, to become like them. You know, you would like to become like the mentor. We, we talk like them. We behave like them. I think it's okay for us to do that, like in the beginning. Uh, if you're comfortable with that, you can proceed. But if you don't feel very comfortable doing those things, or after being in any line for a while, if you want to just become very authentic in your own way, you maybe want to leave different types of legacies, uh, not only in training, but I think in any field, uh, I think we should go all the way for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and that kind of brings me to another question. You mentioned, you know, you just kind of wanted to be yourself, and I completely applaud that. In fact, what I've learned in my research is that the more that people can really be who they are at work, usually the more fulfilling the work is and the more productive they are altogether. So it's mm-hmm. not surprising to me that you've developed a style that just lets you be you, because when I see you in front of a group, Nagapan, I mean, it is. I mean, it's just, it's very powerful. It's very... It's very, it is very real, and so I, I'm not surprised to hear you narrate your approach that way. So thank you for going through that line of questioning with me. Thank you. Thank you. you thank you. And it, along those lines, though, one of the things that I, I think most of us do when we're in front of a crowd, and I'd be curious to see if you are any different, but are you trying to impart any key values or principles when you're delivering sessions? Mm-hmm. Is there something that's guiding you when you're in front of a crowd? Uh, oh, oh, yes, certainly, certainly. Uh, one of the things is uh, I always like to be prepared. I do not want to be in front of a group of uh, audience 
without having to do my homework about the the event, the clients, the audience, uh, you know, the environment, what they know, what they need to know. So one very strong principle uh, I've still been following for the last 10 years is before you go out and do your assignment, before you go out and train people, share knowledge, uh, we have to be fully prepared mentally and also physically. That's one thing. Uh, secondly, I, I particularly believe in focus. Uh, of course, uh, the focus here would be uh, what are the objectives, what are the outcomes of the training program, what exactly do you want to deliver? In other words, the deliverables. I'm very focused on the deliverables, and I do not let you know minor things, interruptions, small issues distract me from achieving those deliverables. So a few more values for me to just add. Um, I believe very strongly in walking my talk. Uh, in training, we we ask audience, we, we request audiences to be early, to be punctual, to be participative, to do this, to do that. Uh, I think we need to positively role model some of these things to them. We cannot just, uh, you know, not practice what we preach. So I, I particularly believe in that. Another value that I very strongly use, not only in training but everywhere I go, is respect. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who these people are. It doesn't matter what field they are in. It doesn't matter how junior these people are. Uh, but I believe in respecting others, and I like to earn respect from these people. Not because I'm the trainer. Not because uh, I'm older than these people. Uh, I would like to get respect from these people because they sincerely believe in respecting me. Mm-hmm. I just want to share uh, my perspective on that really quick, just since we're talking about it and both of us work in the same field. I completely agree with everything that you said. And, and, and for me, when I'm in front of a crowd, there's two things that I think I probably am imparting. Now that I ask you the question, I'm now thinking, what would my answer be? <laughs> I think uh, for me, you know, I, I definitely have the idea that people can change and grow and learn forever. I certainly think I bring that to the class. Um, and the other thing I think that I, I try to bring consciously is a, is an is a is an insatiable curiosity about these people and what they know and what they could share and such. And I I hope that comes across in the classrooms. But um, made me think. That's what I would say if I were if I were asked the question as well. Can you relate to you those very things good. as well? Oh yeah, yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, <clears throat> I think one of the most important things is. Uh, as a trainer, we are there to not not impress people. All right, uh, I think we would like to impress people when we should be in a, a different field. We should be in an entertaining kind of a field. Uh, I think we are not there to impress people, but we are there to express, uh, you know, ideas, changes, improvements, ways for them to change their lives. So in order for us to express these things, uh, I think it is important for us to have a good set of values, which we can also uh, cascade it down to the trainees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that just, just being aware of our values is so important. I mean, as a meaning and work researcher, one of the things I know is that the more that people really understand what it is they're bringing to their work, the more powerful yeah. they can be, the more impact they can have. And oftentimes, if they're able to live through those values or live to those values, they're more fulfilled. So... I'm not surprised to hear that you know what you're bringing to the table. That doesn't that doesn't surprise me. Sure, sure. Okay, now you know what I'm going to ask this question. 
Uh, I have to ask the question, because I am a meaning and work researcher, Nagapan, you, you know that I have to ask you. You've been at this for many, many years now. You clearly like what you do. Um, I want to understand mm-hmm. what it is that you love about training and development. Why are you in the field? What, what is it you like about this? Uh, there, is, uh, there are a few reasons. Uh, I love this field, and I think I'm going to be in this field uh, for a very long time. Now, one of the things is, uh, I, I, one of the things that I love about this job is you get to meet different people, people yeah. from different walks of life. Uh, you learn a lot of new things from them, besides sharing ideas with them. Uh, you get to see lots of new perspectives. You get to share your experience uh, with these people. So uh, these are some of the things that drive me. Uh, there, are, there are another one or two more things that drives me in this particular uh, field to have a lot of passion in what I do. Is every time you, you talk about training, you should not only be all, at least I do not look at training as just transfer of knowledge, but I would like to see something beyond. Uh, every time you are training, facilitating a training program, uh, I look at things as helping people in terms of growing, going forward, pursuing their goals, achieving dreams. So I'd like to actually look at things from a slightly bigger picture. So when you see these things from a bigger picture, whatever that you do, even when you're handling difficult audience and, you know, hiring schedules, uh, they are very meaningful. They become very value-adding to you. You feel very energized. Even you're tired, you don't feel so tired after that. Uh, so I, I think learning how to see the bigger picture, learning how to see how your contribution can make uh, a difference in other people's life keeps driving me. Uh, that's what I like about this uh, field. Mm-hmm. And of course, the money is not too bad. <laughs> the money's not so bad. Yeah. Well, that isn't that a lovely bonus, right? You're doing what you love to do, and you get paid okay. That's it's a nice it's a nice good combination. Um, yes, which, yes. Which, definitely, which, definitely. Which does make me, I do want to ask you, Nagapan, you had mentioned, you know, over the years, uh, you know, that you started seeing that people would respond in in their evaluations of you. You got some good feedback that you did things well in training and such. And, and I know for me, boy, I look, I look at every, all the evaluations as soon as I possibly can afterwards because I want that feedback. I want to know what am I doing well? What could I do better? You know, if I if I gave a message that particularly resonated with somebody and maybe they said something about it, or sometimes people will tell me, you know, I didn't like it when you did this or whatever it was, and I really appreciate they tell me those kinds of things. That feedback is just so important. But do you remember some of those some of the feedback that you've gotten over the years that's helped you realize this is what I I'm I'm on I'm in the right place. I'm getting feedback that tells me I'm good at this. People re- receive it well. Can you remember any of that feedback? Uh, yes. Uh, like in terms of feedback, uh, I, I have a slightly uh, mixed response I can share with you. Like, you know, in Asia Pacific, uh, you know, when you're training, sometimes you don't get so so many feedback. You don't get so much of, or we never used to get so much of free flow feedback. Uh, you know, the Asia Pacific culture sometimes, they do not want to openly give too much of feedback because they do not want to offend the facilitator or the trainer's feelings. So uh, many years ago, you just get good, 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 or pretty good. You don't really get feedback uh, that will help you constructively change and whatnot. 
so trainers like me and others, uh, one thing that we were deprived uh, 15 years ago or even 12 years ago, uh, not not balanced feedback. Uh, people only just say, hey, you, you did a good job, but if you need to improve, they never used to give us so much of feedback. But having said that again, these days, uh, I'm happy to see more and more, uh, you know, constructive feedback, good feedback. Uh, and the way we give feedback is also very polished, very constructive, very happy to get better feedback, free flow feedback, uh, balanced feedback for continuous improvement these days. So there has been some improvement in terms of the quality, the quantity of the quality of the feedback that we receive in Asia-Pacific. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What do you think makes you good at, at training or developing developing knowledge and skills within people? Why are you good at this, do you think? Okay. Um, what, what I believe is not only in this particular field, but I think in any field uh, that we are, we are going to be involved in, you do have passion. If we have the commitment and we have the interest and the willingness uh, to get things done, not only in the field of training and development, uh, I think we can be successful in any field that we would like to be involved in. Now, at least you know, I got into this field by accident. <laughs> I studied IT, you know, I was wandering around, not sure what to do, made a few transitions, and then ended up in this area. Even after ending up in this area, I was not sure whether I'm in the right track. I mean, it was funny, it was nice, but I was not too sure whether I'm in the right track. But then I decided one fine day, I'm happy with this, I'm going to make this work. So I still believe, uh, not only in this area, not only in this industry, any industry, whether you want to be in a restaurant business, you know, whether you want to be a doctor, whether you want to be an engineer, uh, I think one very important thing that you need to have in your mind is, I want to be a good, good doctor. I want to be the best engineer. I want to contribute. So if we can every day wake up and uh, ask yourself, what contributions can I do to the society? What contributions can I, you know, give the society? How can I help? Of course, you, you get paid. Of course, you, you can have a good life. Uh, if you keep looking at life or if you, can, if you can keep looking at your career in this manner, I mean, anyone can be doing very well in any area in life. So mm. this is a principle that I've uh, been philosophically, uh, you know, having in myself, and I think this has helped me in this particular field. And I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure if I did not get into the training and development field, even if I went to a different field, if I had had this mindset, I would have been pretty successful in whatever that I was doing. But this is what I like to believe, Alice. Mm-hmm. You know, what I appreciate about that, Nagapan, among many, among many other things, is that part of the reason I wanted to have you on the show is to get your perspective as somebody who does live and work in Malaysia, um, because I don't mm-hmm. want my show just to have the, the perspective of Americans and what do we think about work, etc. And a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, some yeah. guests on from Croatia, etc. So I, I appreciate right. that you're still saying some of the same things that we say, that there seem to be some, and I know this from my research, of course, and my, lit, my literature yeah. review, is that people across the world mm-hmm. seem to want some common things. They do want to feel passionate about their work. They want to know they made a difference. Yes. And they want to know they're good at what they do. And some of those things are, are mm-hmm. fairly universal, it seems. Maybe not every single place in the world, but many of us seem to yeah. want that. 
Well, I really appreciate how you've been you've been uh, you've been recounting a little bit about how how it is that you are how you do your work, uh, how you actually what values maybe you're trying to impart, the things that you find meaningful mm-hmm. here. Um, those are the kind of things that, since this show is about how you experience your work, which is also meant to be educational in nature as well as inspirational, those are some of the things I look for in, in my guest in, in each conversation. So thank you for being willing to, to chat about those things. Um, no problem. No it's time for our, our second short break here. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Nag- Nagapan Andiapan, who is a trainer, consultant, author, and motivational speaker in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. He is calling in, and he's 13 hours ahead of us, so I appreciate very much you being on so late with me. Um, after the break, I want to hear more from you about how it is that you, what your perspective is about why people should pursue training and development. Why is it important today to stay strong and sharp? Stay with us. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Want more positivity in your life? Are you ready to get healthy, happy, and energized? Join the Stella Donna Goddess Gals, Cynthia Bryan, and Heather Brittany for a power hour of stimulating, supportive conversation on Star Style. Be the star you are. A lineup of best-selling authors, celebrities, and experts. Join the effervescent mother-daughter dynamic duo in this upbeat, positive, life-changing talk radio playground. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, Wednesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Lend us your ears. It's power time. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're here in the air with Nagapan Andiapan, who is a trainer, consultant, author, and motivational speaker in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Uh, he and I met some some weeks ago when we were both in Hong Kong receiving training, and I got to see him in action and thought, i got to have this man on my show. So we've been talking about how it is he's developed his style over the years, what it is he's trying to impart in terms of values, what it is that he wants his participants to get in terms of the training. So next, what I would like to hear from you, uh, Nagapan, is really your perspective on why you think people should be pursuing ongoing training and development. What's in it for them, and why is it so important? Okay. 
Yeah, and if, uh, as you know, today most organizations and employees are working in a highly, highly dynamic work environment, very fast-paced environment. Uh, what you know today, how competent you are today, may not be, may not be very relevant to you six months from now. So every day there are changes happening out there. Now, to stay relevant, people need to cope up. Uh, in, in order to cope up, uh, I think training and development is one one of the vehicles, one uh, tool for people to grow, develop, and go forward, uh, to master new areas, uh, to fight challenges, look, to look for innovative areas, uh, people need to continuously learn new things, and organizations are providing these opportunities to the employees to grow, develop, to go forward. That's the whole idea of training and development initiatives in the organization. Mm-hmm. And, and let me ask you this. I'd, I'd love to hear your experience working in the area of the world that you work in. I'm sure there's a, probably a vast array or a spectrum of experience that you encounter, but I would like to understand what what kind of experience of, of do you see in terms of the employees receiving training today? Are they open to the training? Do they want the training? Do they feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so busy at work, I can't take these four hours, this one day, these two days to take this training? What kind of experiences do you see in your participants who are receiving your training? Okay, uh, generally uh, the people uh, from the manufacturing and uh, the service industries from the Asia Pacific region in general. Uh, they have become more and more open. They have become more and more receptive in acquiring new knowledge, skills, abilities, and whatnot. Uh, so in other words, they, they, they want training. They are very happy. Uh, you know, one of the reasons they even stay longer in organizations uh, is because the organizations provide them with lots of learning and growing opportunities. So it's pretty welcome. However, there are some smaller number of, you know, very hyper, super duper, fast-paced industry uh, where people are just so busy, you know, they're just moving around. They just don't have time for training programs. But this is not a major issue in Asia Pacific. A smaller uh, percentage of organizations, yes, people may say, no, thank you. Thank you, but no, thank you. I don't have time to go for the training program. We have the budget, but sorry, we can't take people off the assembly line you know, the hotel, the front line, uh, but this is a smaller percentage. In, in general, people are, people are very, very aware of the benefits of training, and uh, they, are, you know, they are very aware of the returns on investment of training. And a small percentage, yes, they are still hesitant in terms of accepting training. Mm-hmm. Well, going back to what we were saying before about how an organization sets up the training, right? So the the set of expectations that are delivered to the the person who will receive the training. Look, you know, this is something we want to do as an organization. Leadership supports. Mm-hmm. We we're going to give you this pre work. I would think all those things probably make a real difference to more of a positive experience to the person than than if they were not uh, present. Yes. Oh yes, yes, certainly, definitely. Plus. Uh, organizations uh, are doing a pretty good job uh, in the training needs analysis to, to determine uh, training needs, prioritizing the training needs, coming up with you know good training budgets, uh, good internal and external development opportunities. You know, making all these opportunities available to broad spectrum of employees is also helping a great deal. Hmm. 
you know, some of the mm-hmm. things that I that I have seen here in the United States, training that I have facilitated, I, I, I really think so much of it has to do with the experience of the participant also has to do with, just as we've been saying, what the organization yeah. sets up. So as one example on maybe not the, the so positive end is I've been in, uh, where I've been in a, a training environment maybe two days or so, which is a lot of time for people to take away. And they feel so stressed out because they their their cell phone is ringing off the hook, and they see all these messages come in. The texts are coming in. Uh, many times mm-hmm. they, they come in with their laptops, and they're they're trying to field emails and receive the training. And then, of course, as you know, so much of training today is we've got some kind of an application exercise, and if they miss the 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 build up for that, they don't know how to do the exercise. And so, really, it's just. You know, it's it's not a very good experience for them. They don't learn as much, and and they actually are more stressed out than had they even attended the training at all. <laughs> so I've seen a, a very interesting gamut of of experience here in the United States. I'm glad to hear you say that. It sounds like maybe in the world where that that you serve, you call it Asia Pacific, I guess. Maybe it sounds like some of the expectations are being set up really well about the importance of the training, what they're going to get for it, that we value this, we want you there. And maybe it sounds like there's a good system in place for them to take care of their workload while they're away at training. Is that true or no? Um, definitely, definitely we're moving towards that. Uh, but I do not want to generalize uh, you know, this uh, thinking for all the organizations. Uh, I, I do not know how to give you a percentage, but there are still organizations, uh, even especially the fast-moving organizations, technical people are pulled out for training. There are still interruptions. People still bring in their laptops. People still disappear. They never, never come back. Training <laughs> uh, right. Things like this do happen, but I'm seeing less of it these days. Uh, especially in organizations that are quite serious about training, organizations that have cascaded this uh, commitment to the immediate supervisors. It, it was never easy. It's still not going to be easy even in this part of the world. Uh, there are still organizations where, you know, uh, training is not taken seriously, but uh, we can see some shift towards more commitment. We still have some of these issues here. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, to your point, mm-hmm. and I appreciate very much what you said there, Nagapan. We really can't generalize. Every organization is different, has a different set of values, a different culture, a different budget, right? And 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 I appreciate very much that we we really can't generalize. Um, that said, though, I would be curious about your perspective. I mean, since I've been in the field of training over, I guess, the last ten years or so now. Um, I've certainly seen how organizations, at least in the United States, have changed their perspective about training, changed their their priorities about training. And a lot of that, of course, is driven by the economy. Do we have dollars to devote toward training? But just curious from your vantage point there in Asia Pacific, are you seeing any certain trends that maybe that about how companies spend money on training or what they're training their people for? Like, uh, I can give you an example of Malaysia. I mean, this is where I live, and most of the business that I do is actually in Malaysia itself. Like, in Malaysia, uh, the government encourages uh, organizations to train their employees, to retain their employees. Uh, They do this by, uh, you know, getting organizations to pay a small percentage of levy, all right, a percentage of levy based on the number of employees that they have, uh, the kind of industry that they have, the paid-up capital that they have on a monthly basis. 
So if the organizations uh, need to comply under this uh, Human Resource Development Fund levy, these organizations need to contribute a certain percentage of the gross uh, payroll monthly for this particular levy. Now, what these organizations need to do uh, within a stipulated period of time, six months, one year, they need to use these levies to provide, to organize and provide training programs for their employees after doing good training analysis and whatnot. Now, when they've done, when they've actually uh, carried out these training programs, they can uh, refund, they can actually get a refund, they can actually claim back these levies. So this is automatically encouraged and motivated organizations to, uh, you know, take advantage of this scheme. And uh, we have, like in Malaysia, I think they've had this scheme for more than 10 years. So the government has actually been encouraging the small and medium enterprises, like in Malaysia, which form the biggest, uh, the biggest percentage of companies, to actively be involved in trading. And it's mm. working quite well. Mm-hmm. That is fascinating, Nagapan. I had no idea. I'm so glad I asked that question that you brought that up, this idea of a levy. So if yeah. I have this right, you're saying that the government of Malaysia uh, uh, basically allots monies to small and medium-sized companies to use for training? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes, they, they do that. Plus, uh, they've actually come up with some certain acts where the companies themselves need to actually contribute uh, a certain percentage of levy uh, to this particular fund, which okay. is actually going to be reserved. Now, when these organizations use the, uh, when these organizations train their employees, they can actually claim back the funds that they've actually contributed. So the government also has certain funds for the organizations to be used, and they also allot. So it works both ways. Wow, that is really, really, really interesting. I I had no idea before this conversation that 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 was going on there, and I I applaud that, certainly. Of course, not just because we work in the field, (laughs) Um, but I I, I think that... I think that says that and your that's country one must... reason uh, over the last 10 to 12 years, uh, you know, the training and development field in Malaysia has grown quite tremendously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems to me then that what that indicates to me is that the country of Malaysia values development. It values ongoing learning. And I, I think that, you know, the old saying, you put your money where your mouth is. And uh, that's really impressive. I had no idea that was happening. All right, so I do want to think about, we've been talking about where you've, where you've been and your, your career so far, but I would love to know, what are your, maybe some of your plans for your future in terms of your career, and if you see yourself continuing in this industry, or where, where are you going in your future there, Nagapan? Okay, uh, that's a million, uh, million dollar question. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I think about this all the time. Uh, I, I personally believe there is no retirement like in this field. I mean, there are other fields you may have retirement, but like in training and development, uh, or at least to me, at least, uh, I believe that there is no retirement. Uh, I would like to continue to be in this line uh, as long as I can work, all right? However, currently, uh, or for the last 15 to 20 years, I've been running this uh, as a business. You know, uh, of course, make money, I got costs, I, I got to build people and whatnot. Uh, even though I would like to be in this line uh, for a long time in the future, uh, I, in, in the next maybe 
five to eight years. Uh, this is how I see myself. I still want to be in the training and development business. However, I would like to dedicate maybe about 50% of my time to doing the same thing, but for charitable organizations that are getting paid. Non-profitable organization. Uh, okay. Right now, I, I deal 100% of my clients. I don't do free things, actually. But five to eight years from now, uh, I would like to like spend 50% of my time doing the same thing, uh, but I do not want to build the clients, especially for the uh, charitable organizations. There are many charitable organizations, non-profitable organizations here. So I would like to contribute. I would like to help in the same field. Hmm. How wonderful. I'm so glad I asked. What a noble thing to say. I'm, I, I appreciate that. Um, in, in our short period of time left together here in Nagapan, we've just got a few minutes left together. Could I just ask you, I, I, for any final pearls of wisdom or insight you might like to share with our listeners, maybe just a minute or so, okay. if you could just expand well, on well, that. I, I have a quick one. Now, um, some, some of us may know exactly what we want to do, what sort of career that we would like to pursue, what business we want to be. Uh, I think we are lucky. That's good. So my advice is, if you know exactly what you want to do, please think about it, have a good plan, and craft the journey. Pursue whatever that you want. All right? Uh, Don't rest until you achieve that. But then, if you are one of those people like me, like in the early 80s, uh, not too sure what you want to do in life, where you want to go, what makes you happy, uh, what kind of legacy you want to leave behind. Keep exploring. Try out things, anything that comes in front of you. Do not discount anything yet. And I'm very convinced you will have an inner voice one fine day that says, hey, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm comfortable with. So if you, until you find that uh, inner voice, until you feel comfortable and passionate in terms of what you want to do, uh, don't stop. Keep ex- exploring. Look for new things. Experiment new things uh, until you find something that you are very happy with. Great, Nagapan. What a great way to finish. Thank you so much for those thoughts and for being on the show. Thank you for dialing in 13 hours ahead of me from Malaysia. No worries. It was my pleasure. I mean, at least once again, thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to uh, be part of the show, to share some of my experiences. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. And listeners, if you'd like to stay in touch with Nagapan or just hear more about his work or, or just maybe you want to connect with the guy because he's interesting, you can send him an email to Nagapan, S-T-R number one at gmail.com. So that's N-A-G-A-P-P-A-N. S-T-R, number one, at gmail.com. What a fun conversation we've had today. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. appreciate your listenership. Looking forward to, to you being on the show with us next week. Remember what I always like to say, work is one-third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program, brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 